0: Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast.
1: This is Jack Rouse. I uh, always had an interest in things mechanized. I had model airplanes with uh, nitro-burning engines in them when I was a teenager. I, uh, Built my first uh, car out of parts when I was uh, 16 years old. I uh, found a car with uh, that an ant had with grass growing up through the floorboard, holes in the floorboard. It was parked in a garden that wasn't being used. And I built, rebuilt, it parked there because the engine had blown up. I rebuilt an engine and had a car I drove through high school. I went to Brea College, Brea, Kentucky, and was married as a sophomore, actually as a junior, to my wife who I met at school and uh, From that point on, I was able to have a car. Unmarried uh, dormitory students couldn't have cars at Berea. So as a senior, I traded cars like six times. I'd have a car, and somebody would decide they they had a problem. A teacher would figure that they had a problem with a car, somebody in the community. They'd bring it to me to fix, and I'd trade them a car that I had that was already fixed. So I I graduated from college in '64 with enough money to buy myself a brand-new Mustang, which had gone on. On uh, sale the 17th of April that year, 64. And by the, somewhere around the 5th or 10th of May, I ordered one from a dealer. It it wasn't a Ford dealer in Berea, but I ordered one from a dealer in Cincinnati through a used car dealer that was in town. So, ordered a car without actually being to the dealership and uh, picked it up uh, about six, four to six weeks later. Hired into Ford Motor Company, went to work about the 1st of June. And by the, Within 30 days, I hired into the the quality control activity at the uh, Automotive Assembly Division Office Building. And uh, within 45 days for sure, I was in the Dearborn Assembly Plant coordinating problems that they were having with parts, with vendors that were providing the parts from the outside. That was my function. I worked there for about six months. Then I transferred to the Wayne Assembly Plant and worked there for, for another four and a half years. But uh, I uh, started racing my Mustang in '66. Went to the Winter Nationals, NHRA Winter Nationals, and uh, I don't remember if we won class with the car at that time or not. But the the '66, uh, from an NHRA point of view, was overrated. The 271 horsepower that it was rated to have was wasn't in line with the lower ratings that the uh, competitive uh, cars, that the Camaros had. They had a uh, lower Horsepower rated with a higher actual power, and so the Mustangs were not really uh, on a level playing field. But we went on and raced the Mustangs uh in Super Stock. Subsequent to that, the first car was a uh, was an NHRA legal stock car. You couldn't do much to. Then we raced Super Stock and uh, won our class uh, more times than not for uh, about three years. We raced the Super Stock car. Then I went into uh, post Stock with a run in one of the professional categories with a partner by the name of Wayne Gap. We raced the uh, Pintos and Mavericks and Mustangs as well. We won three championships in uh, two, three, and four, seven, eight, two, three, and four, and uh, NHRA and IHRA pro stock. I raced drag race for 10 years and built a lot of cars and, and pro stock cars and super stock cars for customers. As I started my, my service business, about seventy six and seventy six, I ran my last home uh, house owned car. Started doing work focused on other people and doing work for the industries. I started building my Roush Industries uh, business. That has main uh, clients are, are automotive manufacturers worldwide that need to have engineering services done by a vendor. We we service uh, nearly every every major manufacturer in, in the free world. Uh, with some kind of service or highway mileage accumulation or design service or engine testing service. Started road racing at Ford's uh, Encouragement in 1981. We built a with Ford Aerospace being the manufacturer for it. We built a, a GTP Mustang, IMSA GTP Mustang that we won the first race with at Cart Lake. Stepped off from that and started racing my own. I had a partner in the in the GTP car, Eric Zakowski from Germany. And in 83, we decided to run our own team, build a, a new car and got ready for the 84 season. For 15 years in road racing, we won 48% of the races we entered. And we won nine, nine consecutive races. and decided to retire from the 24-hour competition. Paul Newman came to me with some promotional money from his Nobody's Fools movie that was just been released and uh, wanted to go to the 24 hours of Daytona and I agreed to go as long as he would uh, allow me to put a group of drivers around him that had the capability to win the race. And so we won the 10th race with Paul Newman driving in 11 years, having competed only 10 out of the 11 years. In the GT category, we won um, either three or four championships, and I'd I have to check my records. Uh, three championships for sure in the NASCAR uh, Xfinity Series. Let me say three driver championships. I, I, it might have been four, but I, I'm sure of three. And of course, now we're anxious to carry that Monster Energy Cup Series uh, the NASCAR so that the Mustang can take its rightful place at the head of the class. I built, uh, over the years, I built hundreds of engines for people who drag race Mustangs. I built engines for people who run Mustangs on Bonneville. I built engines of people who run Mustangs on on Pikes Peak. I built people for people who run Mustangs in Baja. Kind of cannot count all the Mustang applications that we've serviced for the, the different sanctioning bodies. The, the Mustang is a river that runs through for me. It's, it saw my coming of age uh, as a drag racer after finished with college, and it uh, followed me through my career as I built this engineering business to be uh, one of the larger suppliers for engineering services for car companies worldwide.
0: Is there, like, is there um, any defining point in your, I guess, in your life that really you know sparked your automotive interest? Is there any, you know, like you were just purchased a car and started tinkering with it? Is there anything that kind of ignited that fire?
1: Well, it started with clocks. Uh, when, in my time as an as a, as a adolescent, or as a four or five year old kid, uh, all the, the houses were, had a, bedrooms that wind up clocks in them. And I, I uh, had, my mother had 11 brothers and sisters So there was lots of houses to visit uh, over a year, and I would ghost away uh, into a bedroom and find myself uh, in front of a big band or little bin clock, take it apart, take some pieces out of it, see how it works, see if I get the pieces back in. There was probably an epidemic of uh, clock replacements that followed me around that I never got blamed for, but if they hadn't given me that screwdriver, it wouldn't have been a problem. I built my first uh, go kart uh, for chasing dogs or outrunning the dogs around the little farming community I was raised in when I was 11 years old out of some discarded uh, lawnmower parts, a little four cycle engine. As I said, I built my first uh, highway car when I was 16. By the time I was 22 years old and graduated from college, I'd taken three big Honkin V8 engines, two of them Chrysler and one of them, Ford, and put them into engines, put them into cars that uh, that were supposed to have either six cylinders or much lower powered eight cylinder engines, and uh, enjoyed those. I uh, actually made my trip with my young wife and uh, and baby daughter to uh, to Detroit from from south of Lexington, where Bria is located, pulling a U haul trailer. I hadn't received the uh, the delivery of my Mustang yet, which I'd ordered. By the first of June when I went to work for Ford, I it took delivery out a couple of three weeks later in Cincinnati. But I had a 325 cubic inch, two hundred and seventy five horsepower red ram Dodge engine, fifty-seven model, and a uh, in a fifty-four Dodge. So I enjoyed experimenting with parts and it was a natural thing for me to get involved with Ford Motor Company. And I worked actually for Chrysler for a year. Before I started my own re- research and service engineering services business,
0: what do you think is your favorite Roush Mustang to date that you have built?
1: I've got a '64. Uh, I don't know if it's a '64, if it was delivered in '64 and a half or '65. But my uh, my first Mustang was a it was, wasn't a fastback or a convertible. It was a coupe and uh it was 64 and a half and i've got the same accessory package and the same body color the same hubcaps and the same interior you in know a little blue convertible over there that you may have seen with the white top and that uh that's my favorite mustang because it takes me back to the time that i was 22 years old
0: is there anything that you want to mention about some of the new vehicles that you're doing now like some of the innovative things or just like kind of talk about that?
1: Well, we've worked with the industry to try to improve fuel mileage. We work with a number of fleet operators to reduce emissions with, uh, with propane uh, for their fleet usage. We've got an emissions laboratory here that uh, measures and government ex- uh, EPA certified that, uh, that we use to help the car companies uh, tailor their, their emissions to the requirements of various brown, brown state and blue state requirements. The car that I'm driving now, the Mustang that I'm driving now, is a 2017 uh, limited production Roush Performance product, limited production P51 Mustang, uh, titled uh, uh, car it has uh, 727 horsepower with an automatic transmission. It's a delight. With with the, with the new with the new uh, supercharged engine packages, you don't need uh, you don't need the eight speeds or six speeds even four speeds would be enough. And with the automatic transmission, I don't even use a paddle shifter. I just let the transmission make a choice for me, and it won't be a bad
0: choice. I win that argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a 2015 Rock Stage 3, and uh, uh, mine's a 6-feet, yeah. I'm a little partial.
2: I And I just sold a Shelby. I had a, a GT500 Shelby, and I just sold it because my knees are just getting so tired of city with clutch and clutch and clutch. And you get out of there, you're just like, well, be too the, old for
1: this. The thing that comes clearer when you drive the automatic is it doesn't disengage when it changes gears; it just keeps stepping up. Yeah. The thing I caution people: you know, the cars have all got some kind of a, a traction control uh, a defeat switch on them. And with my supercharged Mustangs, even with the larger tires and with the improved suspensions we've got, it's not my recommendation to push that uh, that disengage uh, traction control th- uh, button because if you do stand a good chance of changing lanes when you hadn't planned on it or swapping directions when you're going the opposite direction that you were originally what intended. Do
2: you, what do you see, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of these talk about cars and of course, and then all the work, all the, all the, all the, all the discussions about electric cars, cars. I'm just curious for your opinion, is, do you see that less than or, or is that inevitable?
1: I I, I I think Mustang is one brand that will not likely be autonomous. I think that the brand will die before it would go driverless. Uh there's talk of in fact we're involved with some research work on the electrification of Mustang. I, I think there may be a electrical electric motor driven option for it, uh in the future. On the face of it, you know, electric vehicles are cleaner. Uh, certainly in the proximity of the vehicle, as long as it's not a, in a parking lot at a power plant. But you still have to use some fossil fuel in today's world or wind or nuclear to generate the electricity. And by a large margin, our our electricity is generated by fossil fuels in this country. And so electric vehicles aren't as clean as they appear to be. Well, every time you, every time you uh, send energy through a transmission wire, electricity through a transmission wire, If you put in so many kilowatts at one end of it and you go 10 miles, you get something less than that off the line 10 miles later. And if you go hundreds of miles, which sometimes power uh, is routed, it uh, is even less efficient. And then when you take it from being electrical energy to being kinetic energy in the wheels, there's another level of inefficiency involved. Well, it's not clear to me, uh, except for the enthusiasts owning Mustangs and collecting Mustangs, as as long as other cars that they've got special interest in it's not clear to me that uh that uh, an average person for sure living in the city environment is going to own cars independently individually own cars in the future uh, you know with looking at the the ride share circumstances that have been promoted in the last decade and looking at the the, the uh driving uber and some of the other companies that are coming on to to follow the same format uh-huh. i think that uh the, the person owning is having a hundred percent stake in a vehicle twenty years from now. I think will be the exception rather than the norm. I think Mustang owners will own their own cars. Oh yeah,
2: that that you never share that car. <laughs> you don't share a Mustang. I mean, obviously, with the Mustang coming onto the NASCAR scene, I assume you've already been testing no.
1: vehicle. No.
2: No. Okay, I'm just curious how it seems to be performing.
1: <laughs> the the teams, the Ford teams, have cooperated with NASCAR in the preparation of the car, but NASCAR won't let you. They've been wind tunnel tested, and they've been tested uh, on a computer with first fluid dynamic principles, but they, uh, they've they not been track-tested yet. The best of my knowledge the first time that the, that the rubber hit the road with a 2019 Mustang will be the practice for the Daytona 500. You know, NASCAR has got target uh, numbers that they uh, require new uh, sheet metal submissions to fall within from an aerodynamic point of view and uh, this new mustang meets nascar's model which is uh virtually uh, identical to what the other manufacturers have for downforce and what the other manufacturers have for drag the balance from front to rear is a little bit different from car line to car line how much percentage you've got on the front for downforce and how much percentage you've got on the rear for downforce i'm not uh, familiar enough with it to say that that's identical but certainly the the total the aggregate is not more than we've had for the for the fusion and, and not less than the other Chevrolet and the other Toyotas have got for, for their cars. The the fusion was was the oldest uh, approved sheet metal package in the garage. Uh Toyota has the most recent one. No, Chevrolet has the most recent one and Toy Toyota has the one that that just preceded that by a bit, but the the, the, the Ford is the oldest. And the fact that we're still competitive with the Fords from an aerodynamic point of view indicates that NASCAR NASCAR's not allowed the, the needle to move much.
2: Well, I know that's a big thing because of course now with the Mustang on the on the track, the enthusiasts are all gonna be picking see it. So we're just curious, they're all excited to see it. There's some Mustang. And of course you can't help but have Mustang versus Camaro rivalry. You know, the other like the other brands don't count now, it's just Mustang versus Camaro on on the racetrack. So I am curious if the guys have had a chance to test. How
1: it performs? Wow, that's going to be interesting. NASCAR's got a zero track testing policy, where the only time they'll allow you to change to test the track is if they've got a change in the racetrack, a new racetrack uh, configuration comes on, as they have for the Roval.
2: The show at Charlotte. I was going to say that's that's a place that's going through that quite a bit.
1: Yeah. So the we we had a chance. All the teams had a chance to test at the Roval, uh, in turn. Uh, Other than that, uh, Goodyear organizes tire tests, and they have probably six or eight of those a year. But as far as the teams going to a track and seeing how much speed they could get without there being a sanctioning uh, race going on, uh, that's forbidden.
2: Proving grounds to run a little bit, see how how it feels or anything, or you can't do anything with it until you go to Daytona.
1: When we got our license for 2018, we had to sign a, a commitment that we wouldn't t- test it on road anywhere.
0: You can't you can't
1: inline test, and you can't uh, you can't test it on road courses. You, you can't test regardless of whether it tracks a NASCAR track. You as an as a team owner, as a team, you have got to make a commitment that you'll abide by their zero testing policy. If you happen to be a a team like uh, the, Haas, uh, the Stuart Haas team that owns their own wind tunnel. Oh. then you've got an advantage because you don't have to budget as much money for the wind tunnel as you do right. if you have to buy the service.
0: I wasn't aware you know, that you had an extensive racing, well I knew you had racing but not an extensive like drag racing uh, background. So from drag racing up to the point around like 19, the early, the, when the SN95 came out like 94, 95 when you started doing your Roush branded vehicle. Sure. What kind of started that transition? Like what happened or forced? like kind of spiked in your head for you to start creating your own branded mustang
1: in about 1992 ford came to me and said that uh they came and said you know we miscalculated something we thought that we were going to take the front wheel drive probe that's uh, in cooperation with mazda we were going to badge that a mustang with different sheet metal and that would be our mustang going forward we've worn out the tooling in the Dearborn assembly plant for the for the fox Platform car. We're going to shut the plant down. And we figured out that anybody that's, uh, the, according to a survey, anyone that would buy a, a rebranded uh, front wheel drive probe Mustang already owns a probe. And all the Mustang uh, rear wheel drive folks will be off doing something else, either foreign or domestic. And uh, they, they said it would take us 50 months to starting from a clean sheet of paper to a do, do a new car, albeit in 95 would you make a commitment if we gave you the if we gave you the, the all the prototype work and all the mechanic work that goes with it, had you do the CAD CAE work, you do the uh, the play work, the styling work and let us put our managers in place Do you think that you could give us a new car a new sN95 car in 30 months? So I thought about it and had a meeting with my guys that we bet the company and we come back and we gave them the SN95 all sealed, uh, signed, sealed and delivered with all the durability tests and the emissions tests and the government regulatory DOT crash tests in 28 months. As we were preparing to crush roughly uh, two dozen test cars that were involved in the process, they were all lined up like uh, chickens going to the chicken house to make chicken dinner. They were all lined up for that. I picked a hundred thousand mile test car, and I said, "Cut that one out. Let's not let's not destroy that. Let's not crush that car." So I put it on a spec and turned the mileage back to zero. Rebuilt the car completely. Had new interior for it. Put a uh, side pipes on it. Put a uh, half inch stroke NASCAR crankshaft in the block. Put a new fascia, front fascia, new rear fascia. It made me a uh, ice cream going for ice cream at night on a summer night car. Worked on it for about three months, and uh, they were just ready to turn it over to me. The, the, the All the technicians were working on it, were ready to give it to me. And Ford had a dealer council in Dearborn, and somebody had requested if we had anything that we would be interested in showing to the dealer council that would get them excited about the products, that we should, uh, we should offer it up. So without my uh, knowledge, in fact, the car was shown to dealers, and the dealers were so excited about it, they wanted to buy some. So that, that 100,000 mile SN95 test car became RPP number one. I still have it, it's, it's over in the museum there. I don't know if you saw it. The first thing I did was cut a template of the hood from front to back, raised the back of the hood an inch and said, all right, I want a cow induction the back of the hood here for a large throttle body. So I used the NASCAR idea of taking pressure off the windshield, which is one of the highest pressure parts on the car to, to provide the induction. Charge fresh air for the car. It probably had it. Oh, it had bigger tires on the back than it did on the front. The tires were wider, had wider wheels and tires on the back than the front. So it was a no nonsense, a street image performance car that the dealers uh got excited about. And we've probably built the years followed. We probably built ten, fifteen thousand Mustangs for enthusiasts, sold to uh, two hundred fifty four dealers that. Have that are franchised uh, to our brand.
2: And we've actually had a number of new roushes in, and they've sold. They'll be sitting there, and somebody will he'll call up and says, Somebody just saw that blue one up there, that black jack or the blue jackhammer. Um, yeah. Someone's coming up to get it.
1: Lyle Sturgis is yeah. Clue, yeah. Lyle Sturgis,
2: yeah. yeah. So, no, he's, he's quite, I've known Lyle for quite a while, uh, but obviously he's been always a you know, big supporter and loves Roush.
1: <laughs> he was introduced to me and I met him. One of the things he told me about himself was that since he was 16 years old, he'd always had a payment book for a, a, a new Mustang in his, in his, in his pocket.
2: He's, oh. uh, he's been making payments for all of his life. <laughs> 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 yeah, we actually we actually did a video with him also. He's such an iconic person. Um, obviously our Mustang program, all of his those folks have all been part not all my mustang ideas have uh
1: resulted in uh in showroom uh mustangs that have gone to the market i know they came to me in in uh the 25th anniversary of the mustang that would have been in uh, 89 or 90 probably Probably was for a calendar year or ninety because they the first Mustang was not called even though they went on sale the seventeenth of of sixty four they were they were all titled sixty five
2: yes sir and and it's that's another conversation that Mustang people like to have among themselves the very thing is there's a year difference here you know what is the fiftieth anniversary or the twenty fifth anniversary all right
1: my guess is they were celebrated in 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 ninety but I I don't recall for sure if it was eighty nine or ninety but Anyway, they asked me if to prepare an image and prepare a, a drivetrain and prepare a package that would be worthy of celebrating the Mustang first 25th year. So I took a, a a Marine a 351 Marine engine that was a carbureted engine that comes with a little more of an aggressive camshaft, and we uh, we put that engine in it with fuel injection, uh, intake manifold, and uh, changed the gearing in the back went up. Uh, half a point uh, from a probably from a 280 to a 330 or from a 30 to a 350 gear, and uh, put uh, side pipes on it. Don't remember if it had side pipes. I th- I think I'm getting confused in my RPP number one. It didn't have side pipes, but it had different front re- diff- front fascia and different rear fascia and a different rear spoiler, and had seat trim that was a little different and badging that celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Mustang so they turned it over and i turned it submitted it back for evaluation they uh i, I bought a car and made my own prototype it wasn't a ford provided car as it turned out and uh gave it to they gave it to one of their performance engineers one of their ride and handling guys who by the way was a little upset that they hadn't given the executive of the engineering garage and the proving grounds at uh in Dearborn the chance to build it, that they'd sent it out to me. He was unhappy with that. So he told him that uh, when he gave it r- the write-up on it, he said that uh, that it was uh, it was underpowered. He said that uh, the handling was okay and the image was okay from his point of view, but he said with spending $500 at a local parts store and working his uh, Saturday on his day all on a weekend uh, Saturday, that he could build something that would have more performance than, uh, than what this 351 had with the Marine cam- camshaft. So, I was working on the turbo coupe at that time for the Thunderbird, the 2.3 liter with a little turbocharger on it. So, I looked at it and I, I said, well, it's roughly two and a half liters on each side. So, I hung two little turbochargers, one on each side of the exhaust manifold. Gave it back to them. They said it was irresponsible. Quelched the idea of doing a performance car of that magnitude or that serious nature. So, the 25th anniversary celebration was. Punctuated or was tinted by a, a, a car that was underpowered with stock drivetrain with just stickers and decals. That uh, that was not really what uh, it could have been if they had, if they had taken the either one of the proposals that I'd made. That car is also in a museum. Well, I I've got a Mustang story for you. This P fifty one Mustang two thousand and seventeen car that uh, I told you that was my driver. Uh, I had, we had a a filming session organized for my P-51 Mustang airplane uh, on the ground and uh, the P-51 car, Mustang car 2017 and a Ford GT. We needed to take the Mustang and the GT to the airplane to take pictures. So my son who drives in the IMSA GT category, I put him in the GT, I drove the P-51 Mustang. We had 20 miles of rat racing between here and Willow Run Airport he had trouble keeping up. The GT had uh, 650 horsepower, thereabouts, and the P-51 the P- had nearly had 75 more than that. Given the advantage that I had from taking the initiative, he, uh, as I said, he had trouble keeping up.